Can you hear that sound? It's Christmas time, so welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I am your host, Abhin. And I'm your co-host, Rohit. And today, we're going to discuss a few films that are based around Christmas. Now, I say that because uh, not all of our films feature Santa Claus. And uh, we've already covered the, you know, the Home Alone films and the Harry Potter films, at least the first two, which also feature a lot of Christmas in it. So, on those lines... Some Santa films, some family films, but just fun films to watch with your loved ones around this time. Exactly. So these are a set of films that we've popped in during the festive period that bring us joy, a sense of comfort. Or in my case, uh, I don't even know what it really brings me. You'll see what I'm talking about when I actually do start talking about those movies. But that being said, let's get on with the show. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Right. Yeah, so it's Christmas season, or the holiday season, as it's called in the West, but also, it's also called that in the East. Because we all went to convent school. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's probably a good explanation of why. Uh, but yeah, so these are some of our favorite films that we generally tend to sit and watch around the holidays. Some of them are strange, some of them are like warm comfort food, some of them are... Uh, your run of the middle Christmas films. Uh, I'm sure you've probably seen one of these movies on some list somewhere. But before we get into our main films, uh, weren't there a couple which were, you know, a bit a bit left of field that you wanted to talk about? I mean, yeah, I think uh, this is as good a time as any to include some of my honorable mentions for this list because we, I think, we are doing a run up of about six films. So the first movie I want to talk about for a very bizarre reason is episode three, Revenge of the Sith, the third film in the Star Wars uh, prequel trilogy. Makes sense. So exactly. So what is so festive and cheerful about a movie that basically involves the chosen one eventually turning to the dark side and losing his family and his mentor and his body and even his mind to a certain degree? What makes it so appealing? Now, to give you that answer, let's go back to the winter of December 2005. Now, Star Wars is released earlier in the year to, uh, I mean, mixed acclaim, I would say. Some people did have a lot of fun with it. Some people had a lot of issues with it. In short, it was as well received as a Star Wars movie could have possibly been received in the early 2000s. But even now, for that matter, I still think people are fighting over Star Wars for the most random, bizarre things. We'll get to it in the Star Wars episode, which 50 plus episodes later, we still haven't done. But when it, when we get to it, we'll probably uh, address that that issue. Now, um, I was what? I was in ninth grade going into 10th um, in the year after. And I just received uh, the Game Boy cartridge for, uh, for the Star Wars Event of the Sith tie-in game. And it was one of the most insane Game Boy experiences I've had, like, ever. I still remember that game fondly, and I thought it was just me. And recently, I caught up on this YouTube video that was breaking down every movie tie-in game that's come out in the last 
20 years or so and revenge of the sith is up there especially on on the game boy and i had and i received it on that time and i was like okay i need to go back and watch the film went back and watched it and i found like a horrible bootleg version of it with terrible subtitles um it, the like the grammar is all over the place it makes absolutely no sense general grievous is speaking an entirely different language compared to what he's saying on screen it's supremely hilarious and but yeah for at least the better part of the last decade maybe 7 out of the 10 years i've sat and watched revenge of the sith nearly every christmas evening for some reason or the other there's something oddly comforting about obi-wan kenobi yelling at anakin about having the having the higher ground and watching anakin kill young uh, young padawans in a jedi temple oh man so so heartwarming but i don't know it's it's for me it's one of those weird popcorn flicks that i i tend to have fun with around the christmas period i know what i'm getting um i'm i'm all in for it i still prefer it as my favorite film from the prequel trilogy i used to really adore phantom menace until i watched it recently and then i realized oh my what a shit show because i hadn't seen it since i was a child and i like this is not the star wars episode sorry okay <laughs> but anyway yeah i think i'm taking too much time just discussing revenge of the sith where well. <laughs> it is it's one of my it's one of my christmas traditions it's, it's my thing and no, i mean i get it for me the yeah. the So I mean I get it the the parallel for me I can see the parallels a little more clearly. There's a method Santa Claus in it. Palpatine, you have glowy things in the lightsabers, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I'm trying to help it's you out here, but it's it's still a weird it's, choice. It's just a weird. <laughs> it's a weird holiday tradition. Is that that's basically what it is? Another film on this list is another Harry Potter film. We're not discussing Harry Potter today, but it's Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, once again, not the most brightest and cheeriest of the Harry Potter films. As a matter of fact, it's kind of really dreary, and there are Dementors running around everywhere, and it's dark blue, and Alfonso Cuarón is turning the kids moody. Uh, I still enjoy it. Another one of my weird holiday festive traditions that no, I don't expect people to get. But Azkaban is another film I really enjoy watching around this time of the year. I think Azkaban is a film you can watch any time of the year. So I think on that I I second you. Okay. But That's now moving on to our main list. Yes. Moving on to yes. our main list. Uh yeah, so we're going to talk about 2019's Klaus, which is a uh, an animated movie starring Jason starring Jason Schwartzman, Norm Macdonald, J.K. Simmons as the titular Santa Claus and Rashida Jones, John Cusack. So it's a whole bunch of people directed this mm-hmm. by this guy called Sergio Pablos, who I think was the AD on a, quite a few uh, animation flicks over the years. Finally, got his big break, and boy, did he run run away with it! Uh, in case you haven't watched the movie, in a nutshell, the synopsis basically is: it centers around the character of Jasper, uh, voiced by Jason Schwartzman. who is this uh, sort of self-centered uh, postman who looks out only for his interest and because he's lazy and doesn't really want to do his job he's forced to relocate to this remote town called Smirensburg which is like far north and in fact the his journey to get to Smirensburg it, itself is is uh, a lot of fun there's this remote ship uh, or the boat that he has to take across a, a foggy lake and then there's the, you know there's only one train to somewhere it's like they make up we get a point to let you know it's it's like really remote middle of nowhere types uh-huh. and uh, once he's there he realizes life is very dreary there there's not much happening and he 
comes across this person this huge bearded guy uh, who is a toy maker so whose name is claus so they don't really it's not santa claus as you know it uh mm-hmm. he's a toy maker called klaus he's very grumpy he's reclusive he doesn't really like to talk with people sort of keeps to himself and uh, so you have in them you have two sort of protagonists uh, both very unlikely protagonists you don't really see how this story can you know sort of veer towards being a christmas feel good tale but things kick off from there and it's a it's a lovely way to repackage the message of christmas which is to spread mm-hmm. joy and cheer and through the course of the movie jesper sort of finds his good side and in the process also helps klaus become santa claus as as he then comes to be known so it's a very this, it's a, it starts off moody but ends very hopeful this is like a, a netflix film right it came out what 2019 i remember it 2019 um, yeah, yeah i've seen i've seen the rushes of this film or rather i've i've like seen it in in bits so i haven't really sat down to watch it completely but uh, there's a lot of people i know have watched the film have really really gravitated towards it it seems like a like a fun not very run of the mill christmas film type um kind it of movie absolutely is not i would say it's probably in my opinion one of the best christmas films made like objectively it's a i know with these movies people have their favorites which you can't really explain why like you like of you course, just yeah. like yeah. just did but this i would say is an objectively really good film like it's around christmas but even if you watch it uh any other time of the year uh, you know it's about people coming together and realizing that it's not that hard to spread a little cheer yeah and the more you were talking about it like as and uh, like the idea of this of this child and, and and going on this journey with this toy maker there's i believe guillermo del toro's pinocchio has just dropped on mm-hmm. netflix this uh this december and even that again is a slightly more darker tale on the disney story i'm not sure if it's set around christmas but again is a very wonderful um take on uh, take on the fairy tale mm-hmm. so that's this something that strongly reminded me of that another thing that in fact there's a plot point here that i've not i purposely not divulged there's a reason why klaus is the way he is which oh. is a very nice very poignant anchoring to his character uh okay. it's a great driver of it's a great motivator for his actions and then he has to i mean obviously final act he has to reconcile with that whatever that plot point is and it's it's very nice it's a very nice uh, character arc interesting so there's i mean there's a direct <laughs> i mean not parallel like but the direct opposite of this is basically the plot to violet night which is <laughs> <laughs> which is if die hard you know everyone makes the i'm sure die hard will pop up on our list at some point it's a christmas special of course we're going to yes. talk about die hard um, i think that's a decent segue you know that we're done with close we can also uh, yeah. why a violent night moment to die hard <laughs> exactly so violent night is basically the plot of die hard but with santa in it there's a family that's spending christmas together and they're uh, the there's a wealthy family and they're attacked by a group of mercenaries and it just so happens that santa is on his delivering uh, route at the time and he stops by that house and he's got some extremely violent dark past that he has put behind him it's like if john wick was santa claus this is basically the, the plot of this <laughs> film and there's a child involved who's like trying to help him believe in his cause again and it has the most insane use of a brian adams song i've heard, i've seen in some time 
but and I, and it might just become a like a like a christmas watch amongst several households in the coming future it's nothing like it's exactly what you think it is like it is exactly what you think it is it's gory it's it's got bad puns it's proper b grade movie material and it's going to be on a lot of guilty pleasure lists uh, especially in the coming years it just dropped i think what 3 4 weeks ago it's out on yeah. digital everywhere so do go check it out if that's your thing but let's talk about the actual the number one christmas but actually, movie when you mentioned santa's delivery i just had a film idea imagine santa in india right like Yeah. We're so stressed because now we're used to like ten minute delivery, and we're like, "Bro, where the fuck are my presents? <laughs> You're late." Yeah. Santa doesn't. And you have, have Santa food. dressed in like Zepto uniform. Like, oh my god, I'm late. I'm late. But the Santa is dear. <laughs> I think Santa's investors are slightly more uh, different compared to the regular investors of yeah, 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 most yeah. of these companies. Santa's investors don't uh, ask. Don't have as much uh, weighted average cost of capital. Oh man. I'm clearly not well. This conversation has taken a turn. Uh, let's no. bring it back to Die Hard. <laughs> of course, as I was saying, the number one Christmas movie of all time has voted in on an Empire list in 2015. Now, <laughs> in preparation for this episode, I did watch Die Hard, um, and let me tell you, a movie that came out in 1988. Directed by John McTiernan, starring Bruce Willis, who at the time was an unknown commodity uh, in the film space. He was a pretty big star on television, playing Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, one of the most iconic villains in uh, uh, in American cinema. Uh, and this, it's a very simple story, right? It's like we were mentioning Violent Night. What the story Violent Night draws from. An NYPD cop is visiting his estranged wife and his daughter in LA, and he goes to see his wife in her office in the now infamous Nakatomi Plaza. And on the day he goes to see her, the plaza is taken over by a, a group of um, thieves, like at least high-profile thieves, who are there to pick up some um, non-traceable bearer bonds, led by Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman. So uh, a fully German um, crew who don't sound German half the time, especially mm-hmm. Alan Rickman's accent is. He, I, I think Alan Rickman is dancing on the scale of of accents throughout that film. It's it's Bavarian by way of Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. Um, Now that I watched it recently, I'm like, wow! That if you're really paying attention to accents in in that time. It's got a cop in a vest saving a bunch of people during Christmas. I don't think accuracy were, was what they were aiming for. Oh no, there is there is some of some sequences <laughs> in that film that I I still I barely laugh at, and it's still so good. It, I I miss miss I miss these kind of action films where you know uh, apparently there was a, a poll that was held a few years ago where a lot of the younger kids complained that the action in the film starts an hour into the film. as opposed to like nowadays where it takes starts in 20 25 minutes into the movie and the old generation were like no that's how it was in the 80s you have the setup and then what's like mm. the match is lit it really goes off but you have that one hour of build up which is what makes die hard so interesting the the first hour of the film is basically like this game of hide and seek where you're trying to um flush out um, John McClane and he's just managing to evade everyone jumping through elevator shafts riding up elevators um 
delivering uh, quippy one-liners back before it was even cool. A lot of which were, I, I believe, improvised and yeah, really added of, to the film. I think that's the core of the, for me at least, that's the core of the entertainment I derive from Die Hard is just him talking to himself. He's just saying nonsense, but it's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. It really works, right? It's like, it's such, still such a fresh watch. I haven't seen Die Hard 2 or Die Hard 3 in years. Die Hard 4, I remember more recently because it was just, it was essentially a movie filled with an overload of action which I quite liked when I first watched, but now I find it to be nauseatingly bad. I haven't even seen uh, Die Hard 5 with Jack Courtney. Apparently, it's the worst of the lot. Um, Isn't it? No, Die Hard 2 is Die Harder, right? I think that's just, it's just Die Hard 2 or Die Harder. And then Die Hard 3 is Die Hard with the Vengeance. Yeah. And Die Hard 4 is Live Free or Die Hard. And I don't know what the, what the fourth one, fifth one is yeah. called. I mean, irrelevant anyway. No one does. No but, one does. Yeah. But yes, um, this is a film that's gone down um, in film folklore. And if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, this is Jake Peralta's favorite movie of all time. The number of references yeah. to Die Hard in that, in that show are innumerable. You can have a great time. Like, I feel like if you just watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you'll have a fair idea of what Die Hard is about. Yeah. And if there's any show that would possibly turn you towards a film like Die Hard, it's probably Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> true, true. I completely agree. In fact, um, I have watched Die Hard long back. And, um, you know, like I, I remember parts of it, but a lot of my memory was refreshed because of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like the infamous Nakatomi Plaza, the, the Hans Gruber falling off um, falling off the building in the climax is, is like there are these scenes that stay with you. True. Um, true. motherfucker, of course, is yeah. one of one of the iconic uh, dialogues in American film. Still, such such a fun watch, and it's set in and around Christmas. And even the, the subplots of the film are so much fun. There's that. There's the Aga character who, until at least an hour and fifteen minutes into the movie, has no idea what's going on. He's just sitting in, a, in yeah. his limo and just chilling. And then you have Powell who plays this cop that accidentally shot a kid once and he has an arc too that receives completion. Then there are these trigger-happy FBI agents that who are, who are Vietnam vets. So there's, there's so many things happening on, on the buy side. Like um, John McClane's wife's uh, colleague is, is, is a slimy dude who gets what's coming to him. You have all the tropes and yeah. they are... The all... movie juggles a lot of balls and still manages to keep them afloat. So Oh, for sure. And it's it's a great looking film. Even now, if you can... I think it's it's on Disney Plus or Hulu or Amazon, wherever you are. Um, it's it's a great looking film. It hasn't aged... I wouldn't say a lot. I say mm-hmm. it's not aged at all, in my opinion. Uh, and still, I can totally get why people put it on during Christmas and watch it. It is such a fun romp. Fully true, recommend true. Uh, you checking out Die Hard on uh, this weekend if you haven't already. Yeah, on the odd chance that you've not heard of Die Hard or you've not watched it, please do. Why? What are the odd chances of somebody not <laughs> Die Hard? But speaking of action movies, I think the next movie that we should talk about is uh, one of the few comedic turns from an otherwise overwhelmingly action star. Uh, we're talking about 1996's Jingle All the Way, starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and... Uh, Sinbad. I mean, that's it. Sinbad. 
I don't know what his real name is, uh, but yeah, I think I everyone just, knows him as the Sinbad. Sin, yeah, Sinbad. So I didn't even notice Sinbad until recently. But this is a movie I have watched as a child. I watched religiously around the Christmas period because it got really promoted by star movies at the time. Anand is to to do with and especially a big presence in our early um, in our early childhood. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably our first ever action hero. Of course, you had Bruce Willis in the eighties, and you had Arnold in the eighties. But for us, the quintessential action hero is Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the T eight hundred in in Judgment Day. That is the pinnacle of what a good action film can be. Like I watched Judgment Day again about three weeks ago. Oh my god, that movie is just so good! And I wasn't even viewing it the way I usually view movies these days. It's it. Like I, I initially thought I might have this fear of you know of realizing that oh a childhood favorite of mine uh, is not as good as I once remembered it to be. In fact, Judgment Day is is probably even better. Now that can't be said for Jingle All the Way. It's it's not a very good movie, but mm. it has a fair amount of nostalgia attached to it. The plot yeah. is is extremely simple. Is there's this guy. This workaholic father whose family is getting away from him, and uh, he keeps messing up. And in a bit to make it up to his son, he decides to pick him up this action figure that he's supposed to have picked up two weeks prior, but he decides to do it on Christmas Eve. So he and Sinbad are competing fathers who are both trying to pick up the same action figure, and it's sold out everywhere. And this leads them through um, a rather merry set of events, no pun intended, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultimately leads to this really flashy climax, um, which which involves Arnold in a in an action figure suit uh, taking on Sinbad in another action figure suit. It, it's kind of bizarre, it's weird, but it's still so much fun. And I know a lot of people who have a lot of love and sentimentality for this film. Because I don't think this film would work in today's Amazon age. I mean, it's not available on in a store. Just order it online. You're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> I was didn't, didn't even think of it that way. But then yeah. there are cases where like where stuff is like you look, look at PlayStation Fives. I mean, the, the Turbo Man is is today's. I guess. I mean, if if you missed your boat on Amazon, you're a terrible father. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be like the, like the PS Five has been sold out for two years, and it's just one of those scenarios where people terrible have had to get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I get, what you're yeah. Saying. But so I get. I, mean, I mean, we could, I have I, I guess, I guess. I, I don't recall watching the movie as much, but from what I hear you say, this sounds like a short film made into a feature-length movie. It, no, it could have been a a nice twenty-minute laugh, but then you're sitting here an hour later, like when is this going to end? I don't know. I don't. I don't think we ever thought of when it was going to end. It was basically them moving from one set piece to the other, right? That's kind of what the film's mm. about. Then a set piece. Oh, okay. Then something happens. They get out of it. Okay. This is another set piece. Oh, okay. Good. And then there's another set piece, and you're like, oh, I got to get out of that, and then so on and so forth. You're right. It could be like a twenty-minute movie, but play it out. Put Arnold in there, one of Hollywood's biggest commodities, and you have a, a formula for success. Does the Turbo Man ever have to get to a helicopter? Why? Oh God! No, 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 no! Get you no, that no, chopper! No, no, no! Speaking of, uh, we can we'll get to that. I kind of want to mention that a little bit because you get to the chopper is in, is a famous line from Predator and other films starring 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, directed by Die Hard's John McTiernan, and starring Shane Black, who sets all his movies around Christmas. Mm. So kiss, there's this bang, bang among them. Yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a great film. Another movie I really recommend you guys watching. It came out over the last six years, 2016, I think it came out. It nice is the Nice Guys. Uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. It, I think Nice Guys is one of my favorite comedies. And I, like a, I don't, I know maybe three people who watched it. Like guys, this is a movie. More people yeah, seen it. this is. I'm not going to spend too much time on this for the interest of time, but. You, if you haven't watched The Nice Guys, I highly recommend you should. It was one know. of those films that was insanely reviewed, but nobody watched. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Like in that, that first 30-40 minutes, you're just having a great old belly laugh. It's, 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 it's the best Ryan Gosling you would see. Uh, arguable, but that's for another episode. As it's, compared it's still, to, I mean, in, uh, which other movie would you I don't know. It depends on Ryan Gosling's like, uh, I mean, are you looking for Ryan Gosling comedy? Yes. You're looking for Ryan Gosling's like intensity, then probably. I guess. Yeah. I mean, then there's, there's a a lot more of the movies, but I I don't know. I just had so much fun with Ryan Gosling's character in the movie. I think for me, he's the standout character of this. Such a fun, I think Kim Basinger is in there. I think uh, Margaret Keeley, like it's just a, a, a bunch of people having an absolute blast set in the 70s really check out the nice guys uh, that's that's one of my sudden recommendations for this week's episode absolutely second that uh jingle all the way plus the nice guys apart let's move on to our next movie which is 2003's elf mm-hmm. starring will ferrell and uh what khan james khan yes starring uh-huh. will ferrell and james khan uh, so the movie in a nutshell is about this guy who is a human kid uh, raised by elves in the North Pole who work for Santa. And obviously they they are this, they have this super saccharine attitude to life. They're happy always. You know, they're like, everything's hunky-dory. And Will Ferrell's character grows up in that environment. So he's super naive. He's annoyingly sweet and stuff. And then he realizes that, you know, I am much taller, bigger than all of these guys. So clearly I'm not an elf. And then uh, there's a funny scene where his parents have to break it to him that he's not an elf. And to you as the viewer, it's so obvious, right? Like this guy is five feet, they're all like two feet. And he's like, what? No, I'm your your kid. And you're just like, you idiot. Of course you're not. (laughs) And then they tell him to go find his parents. And he comes to the city, I guess, New York. Uh, Uh And uh, James Khan plays his human dad who I think uh, gave him up for adoption because he didn't want to have him at that point. So there's a bit of friction between those two characters and the rest of the movie is how uh, Will Ferrell's relentless optimism eventually rubs off on James Khan, makes him a slightly less bitter person and there's a bond that forms between them. The rest of it is predictable but it's a good watch. It's a fun watch. It's a very watch. It's a very beloved Christmas watch. I think a lot of yeah. households, a lot of people have loved watching this movie repeatedly um, over the festive season. So, uh, I mean, there's not really much to say about it. Will Ferrell is, this is peak Will Ferrell, I think, what, yeah. early 2000s but this Will, is Ferrell. Will Ferrell. I would say this is Will Ferrell used, right? That manic yeah. energy. I would say this and Old School are two movies where Will Ferrell, as Will Ferrell has been used, right? Otherwise, a lot of time it's a little jarring. So, do you, do you not like him in Step Brothers? Step Brothers, I feel, is a good 
one two time watch but those mm-hmm. jokes the energy of those jokes are very uh, the energy is very uh, draining so if i watch it too many times it's like oh okay it's I, a lot of shouting, I, I get a lot of loud humor yeah but some the cultural legacy of that film is i did not realize how how large it had spread it was it, true true step brother is, is so beloved and i would have never thought of that to be the case exactly. that and it's, even the other guys for that matter the other guys starring even the other guys and, i would say other guys is still a great will ferrell turn because in that yeah. he's not he's not shouting as much as current day character is very quiet the flashbacks yeah. are where you see this extravagant version of will ferrell it's a, it's a great yeah. juxtaposition they've done but uh, coming back to elf i think they've used that energy of will ferrell really well uh, uh-huh. and there's a scene which i don't think can be made into uh, can be put into a movie today which is where i think peter dinklage plays a, a hotshot publisher or something uh-huh. and uh, will ferrell's character meets him and he's like oh you're a dwarf because uh, he thinks dwarfs as uh, or he says you're an elf because he knows uh-huh. elves, elves are yeah. short people and uh, peter dinklage gets irritated and says call me elf one more time or something and then he ends up beating up will ferrell or some shit but uh, super non politically correct i don't think that that scene will fly today but i mean it is a sign of the times i guess peter dinklage has found his way to prominence through uh, a fairly rough road part of which that road is paved by elf among other things yeah but, like uh, all surrender at least a decent one time watch it, it if the fun parts are quite fun and i'd say good christmas watch in case you're in the holiday mood and want to watch something you can unwind to right so continuing on uh, the christmas tradition i think it's time we time to go a bit classic yeah the biggest christmas film of all time or like arguably the biggest because there are two there's miracle on 34th street and there's it's a wonderful life directed by frank capra starring jimmy stewart now um, It's a wonderful life is a family tradition we haven't done it for a significant time but there was a period the early 2000s and in the 2010s when my family would watch this every christmas holiday we have the dvd for it uh, my dad picked it up at a store once and said oh guys you have to watch this is a great film and i think this is one of this is the first film to win the big 5 at the oscars uh, i think you're referring to it happened one night which is the frank capra movie that was the big 5 yeah. yeah starring clark gable and uh, yeah but great film nonetheless uh, coming back to it's a wonderful life it is a, it is uh, a great film the story very is about tortuous yeah. yeah it's a very yeah. uh, i mean go for it go for it it's a, it's a very heavy story to take the listener through it also stars drew barrymore's grandfather uh lionel barrymore yeah i think lionel barrymore is in in the film and the story is of george bailey who's going through a particularly difficult time especially with his boss and then one day he decides to jump off a bridge in a bit to end his life as you are as yeah literal and, and figurative bridges um <laughs> please don't jump off a bridge guys <laughs> we're not endorsing any bridge jumping here but there's an angel called Clarence who's trying to get his wings who stops George Bailey from doing so and then shows him what his life would I mean what the lives of people around him would be like if he wasn't around them anymore and that causes george to have a change of heart and he goes back to his family and it's very straightforward very simplistic film but so much heart so much love a, a big part of this film involved that, that i really love is the final sequence where they sing all lang syne 
as it cuts mm-hmm. to um, the credits such a nice warm uh, part in the film that i that is that remains one of my favorite moments in in cinema true i would say uh, fairly like you said by the beat story it's uh, but the message is really good which is you know you mean more to a lot more people than you realize yeah. so uh, and there's a lot more to celebrate in life than you realize so exactly i think if nothing else the movie serves to give a lot of perspective and uh, i think that is a timeless message because all said and done it is the it is human nature for us to always uh, covet what we don't have and feel bad about it and overlook what we do have and appreciate it i think if if that's the message that viewers can take away from the film it's good it's doing a great job and it's a great message to take away or to imbibe around the time of uh, christmas or the holidays when you're with your family and you you know you're surrounded by your loved ones it's it's sort of like a warm blanket it's a nice like yeah it's yeah. it's a nice little pep up i'd say i think this was yeah. to a, to a whole generation before us this was the go to christmas film and yeah. that they watched in with their families on cable television or on cassettes um back back in the day and now i don't know if it's streaming anywhere uh, i mean we have i am lucky enough to own physical media and given the way things are going i think it's time we all should start owning physical media once more um but this is a, a great film that you can just plug in and watch with your folks um mm. over, over the weekend like the other films that we've mentioned on this may or may not suit uh, the taste of all generations but it's a wonderful life plays beautifully across the board when it comes to appealing to all ages i think to all ages to people from all regions it's it's there are no it's agnostic to all of these divisions exactly and so, it's, it's a film in the english medium but uh, its message is universal like you don't need yeah. to have a strong grasp of the medium to truly understand what the film is telling you true true and uh, i mean that we had to you know we had to pick a classic you can't not uh-huh. have a classic christmas movie uh, in the list of but, course yeah uh, coming to our last movie in in the list we're going to talk about uh, a movie that abin loves and, and i question <laughs> and i question a lot uh, I, i've i've loved previously in our conversations to poke holes in the premise of the movie i still feel it's a, it's a load of bullshit but it's a feel good movie and it's it's set around christmas so i guess that makes it a, a nice christmas movie to watch we're talking about 2006's uh, holiday uh, starring kate winslet jack black cameron diaz and jude law primarily uh abhin you want to take it you're the okay, so resident I've... holiday expert Hi, clearly so this is a movie and if you listen to uh, the airplane mode episode which is where we discuss films we watch on long haul flights oh we have that rant huh? okay yeah no we don't I don't think there's a rant there but uh, there's there's a part uh, that, that was in the outtakes episode, yeah in the outtakes that that I left out of the episode where it basically goes in on the holiday uh, and so i love the holiday it's one of my um, it's a dumb stupid film but i absolutely adore it because it's got heart it came out what 2006 so it's very much a film that has the 2000s written all over it uh it is it's a film that people complain about but just won't stop watching this is this has actually happened to me uh, we were sitting with with a friend earlier in the year i think around january we said we could watch the holiday and we decided to watch it and the two friends kept complaining but continued to watch the entire <laughs> film till it till it concluded as like 
See, that's exactly what this movie does. The story is simple. Kind of incepted the idea of Airbnbs before Airbnbs were a thing. There are these two uh, two women, uh, Iris played played by Kate Winslet and Amanda played by uh, Cameron Diaz, who have issues in in their personal lives that they want to swap houses for. Um, I think for for a couple of days or weeks. I'm not even. I, I don't remember. Weeks, and, I think. Yeah. yeah. And as a result, their entire lives turn upside down. Uh, Cameron Diaz runs into Jude Law, who happens to be Kate Winslet's brother, uh, and uh, and Kate Winslet just somehow, like somehow, ends up in in Beverly Hills, uh, and and yeah, basically she ends up uh, as an extra neighbor to Eli Wallach, who plays one of these old uh, old screenwriters from from Hollywood, and they develop like like this the relationship that there's Jack Black um, who plays this composer uh, and he's having his own trouble with this girl that's um, it's very standard run of the mill but there's for me I, I enjoy it a lot the film nerd in me also has a lot of fun with it there's a, a particular sequence in a blockbuster <laughs> which uh, wow I know I'm so, I sound ancient right now but where Jack Black and Kate Winslet are walking through the aisles and Jack Black is basically singing soundtracks from different films and he's and then it cuts to him picking up the graduate uh and singing i think mrs robinson and dustin hoffman is standing in a corner somewhere going just looking at him and going you can't go anywhere in these days and just walks out <laughs> <the store. laughs> so there's so there's it's a heartwarming tale like if you're a little more invested in film there's a lot more stuff that you can uh uh, you could probably keep an eye out for, especially like uh, Eli Wallach's list of, of films with uh, with powerful female leads. So there's, it, it kind of has some, at least in my case, something uh, for every mood that I'm in. And I probably might watch it tonight, you know, given the way <laughs> my day is going. I saw it on Netflix earlier. I was like, you know what? I haven't seen this movie in some time. Maybe then I'm not really traveling anywhere. So why doesn't watch the holiday again? Are you done? Can I can I go? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm on like a five minute impassioned uh, defense no, no, of the I'm holiday. Just, I'm, just, I'm just yeah yeah. I'm waiting for you to done because I have a whole other perspective. Okay, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Yeah, I'm just like this is the whitest movie ever. <laughs> I know, I know it is. And that, that's you have like, you have two women taking extremely naive decisions to people who don't know each other on instant messenger have decided hey let's swap homes you have nigerian princess salivating by the side <laughs> you're like wow these two are ripe for scamming right <laughs> they have not seen each other's faces but they have like you said set up an airbnb sort of arrangement where they and like you, you don't know on the other end like you've taken a flight to go to la she's come to london kuch bhi chal raha hai bhai <laughs> found each other's houses they settled into each other's lives and like you appended everything even if you find love like kate winslet finds love in la and and uh, cameron diaz finds love in wherever the, that village or whatever it is and and so what like two weeks are done fucking real life is calling you back you can't live in fairyland forever right what what's the plan here like what is the end game you're going to give up everything your entire whatever livelihood set up and just move boria bistar leke what is the plan like this movie like it does not stand up to 2 minutes of logical questioning it's just got a great set 
and it's got likable characters and so you're like forget suspension of disbelief i'm shooting my disbelief out of a cannon <laughs> into the stratosphere and i'm watching this see having grown up on a on a steady diet of suspension of disbelief films i think the holiday is one of those films i'm like yeah okay fine i get it and what is even more <laughs> random or bizarre is like the perfect what you call the the scenarios that especially work that work that work out for each each of the each of the ladies right because tamandias moves it's a it's a shitty town and it just so happens that uh kate winslet is uh, kate winslet's brother is played by jude law and this is like peak of his powers jude law in terms of looks right the Think man is genetics in that family <laughs> holy shit <laughs> uh, and i was just like the one good looking man in all of england but what yeah, it's just it's, it's a case of like you know ideal circumstances working out repeatedly over and over again there's of course there's a bit of drama involved So I mean you have like a little bit of heartbreak also sprinkled in there uh, Rufus Sewell's character kind of takes Kate Winslet for a ride and then you have Ed Burns is in this movie for for a hot minute like this yeah. it's who plays Cambridge as his ex-partner who cheats on her because she's never available there's so much happening in this film but at the end it's all tied with a nice little bow like I think it ends also in a way where they leave it open ended so like let's just enjoy the present we'll worry about the future tomorrow for all you know that that relationship might have broken up within a day or two after cameron diaz left or after jack black left because they both went back to their lives whitest uh, but, movie ever <laughs> <laughs> for sure like I, i'm not disputing that i'm not disputing that at all but it's one of those feel good nancy maya films that i really like this uh, something's got to give the intern to a certain degree as well um but is i mean these these are like i don't think we no i mean i i get i get what you're saying it's a nice uh, feel good escape but but you yeah yes but but rohit cannot stand it i I'm, i'm i'm struggling to say that sentence but i'll, I'll do it i'll concede no 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 you don't have to concede you can like very much <laughs> die on the hill of you hate the holiday <laughs> <laughs> oh man But yeah, that was our that was our Christmas list, uh-huh. more or less. I any any mentions anything we're forgetting? I mean, we didn't want to talk about love actually, but we've done that before, and uh, yeah. we've also spoken about the Grinch. Uh, I think there was an ep- uh, the segue we had done about Jim Carrey in the Grinch at some point. So yeah. uh, we'd considered these movies. We're not really talking about them much, but yeah, there's. I mean, you. maybe you'll find your christmas movie outside of this list but uh, i mean it's a great time to let us know yeah. movies with family yeah yeah like let us know i leave obviously i leave like this little um, q and a section in on the podcast where you can um podcast page where you can tell us what is your go to christmas film and like what you generally watch around this time of the year and by the time i think we have one more episode coming out before the year wraps so this is not our goodbye for the end of the year but we'll have one more before um the season uh, finally ends so that's us uh, let us know about your christmas films like i said and hopefully i'm in better health by the time we record mm-hmm. our next episode as you can clearly tell uh, and we'll see you soon uh, have a merry christmas bye bye happy holidays so they opened their big mouths and now came talk talk talk